This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Jets and Giants will tangle on Sunday afternoon at MetLife Stadium. Today, they got in a little scrimmage over at the Giant facility in East Rutherford, and one of the gentlemen who was there to take it in, he covers the Giants for ESPN. He's Jordan Renan. He's nice enough to give us a couple of minutes here on the program. Jordan, it's Dan Grasso. Thanks for hopping on tonight, pal. How are you? You got it, Dan. It was a good. It was a good day. We got to see, you know, the two New York teams on the same field. You know, practicing first time in what 17 years. So it was a, it was a it was a fun little practice. It's better than watching, you know, the Giants practice against themselves every day. So, and it was enjoyable for sure. 17 years, you look up at the sky now, maybe you'll see Haley's Comet fly by, you know what I mean? Because this is a rare occurrence, right? <laughs> is this going to be a regular thing? I mean, are we getting ahead of ourselves or what? No, you know, both coaches said they want to make it a regular thing. Actually, you know, Joe Judge actually wanted to start practice, join practicing with the Jets too. But I forget what the reason was. It was some scheduling thing, I believe, last year that it didn't happen. But, you know... And, and I did a story this week on the, that joint practice the last time when there was brawls left and right. And you're, you're listening to some of the stories from some of the former players, and it brings you back to the idea that there used to be a rivalry between these teams, right? Like the Jets wanted to show they weren't the little brother. And it, it was like a thing. And, you know, you grew up in this area, and I did as well. Like it, was, it made it fun. And, and I, you know, I, the more I thought about it, it's something we've been missing here. Like, there's no, there's like literally zero rivalry between these teams at this point. Literally nothing. Granted, both have been bad. When right. one's been good, the other one hasn't really been good. It just, they haven't been good very often together. So now it's almost like a race to who gets good first between these two teams. I think it's a debatable question. I mean, you could sit there and argue that question both ways, and I don't think you're crazy because, to be honest with you. We don't know about either team's quarterback, and that's what it, that's what it always boils down to. No doubt about it. And, and I think you're spot on, too, because I, you probably have to go back to that last Super Bowl the Giants won in 2011 when obviously both were good yeah, and you Rex, had Rex. The Rex era, for sure. The Rex era, right, yeah. and the comments that Rex made mm -hmm. in the book about, you know, the, the Jets are New York's team and blah, 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 and then the next year they go out there and the Giants win the Super Bowl, which clearly put an end to all that. But I think that it would help so much. You're right, and, you know, I was talking about it a little while ago before you hopped on. I'm looking at the power rankings on ESPN. I mean, they've got the Jets and Giants as two this. of the five worst teams. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to be that bad, Jordan. Let me, let me say this for a second, though. Yeah. It's deserved, though. I heard what you were saying, and the reason the national media and the, the, the fans around the country think this is because, quite frankly, Dan, they have no reason to have confidence in either of these teams. Both of them still have serious quarterback questions, and trust me, I'm higher on Daniel Jones than most people. But still, they have major quarterback questions, and they've been the two worst teams in the NFL over the last five years. So that's why, I mean, you're probably right. The, the Giants' schedule is fairly easy. They probably won't be that terrible. The Jets' roster is actually probably even better than the Giants' overall. And, like, maybe they won't be the worst team. But they haven't shown anybody anything for such right. a long period of time that nobody wants to believe it until they see it. So they, they kind of brought it upon themselves. What have you done for me lately? Absolutely. And to the, you know, the national media, the folks outside of the New York area, they don't maybe see it as often as you and I do and know the teams as well. So, right, they're just going by recent history, and they have every right to. You're, you're, you're right about that. Uh, you mentioned Daniel Jones. And the roster still aren't great. They have, they have holes. We have to, 
Right. To be fair, they have big holes at key positions. I mean, that's, but uh, think so about it. We're sitting here. We're sitting here trying to make a case for both of these teams to graduate to being mediocre this year. Think about what we're doing. <laughs> that tells you how bad things have been, right? You're right. Absolutely. I mean, if the Giants go eight and nine, that's a great season for the Giants, right? I mean, like, let's be honest. Like, eight and nine is their best season since 2016. And their best season before that was, what, 20, I guess, 12? They went seven and nine, or and then 20, 2011. Like, so, yeah, you're going back significant number of years. The last time these teams were legitimately good. So, decent isn't, is a, a, you know, that's a jump for these teams. That's a good step for them this year. Daniel Jones got his first look at an opponent's first-string defense today, albeit it was in practice, but, you know, the first two preseason games, the other clubs didn't play their starters. You just said you're a little bit higher on Daniel Jones than others, so how has he looked, in your opinion, not just through the first two preseason games today and heading into this finale on Sunday? Well, first got to start with the first two preseason games, he's completed 77% of his passes, so almost 80% of his passes, Okay. He has no touchdowns and an interception, right? They, they had a good drive, but it ended with a running touchdown. And the interception, the coach and most people, the coach flat out said that the guy should have caught the tight end, should have caught the ball, Daniel Ballinger. Right. So uh, I think you have to look at that and say, those are pretty good results. I mean, I get it, second team, but that's what he was, that's what he was playing against, second team defenses. So those are positive signs. And then, Today in the joint practice, one of one of his better days, he actually completed every pass he threw today in live 11 and 11 drills until his very last one. He threw an interception on a fade in the corner of the end zone that was intended for Kenny Galladay. So 14 of 15, but it was an overall good day. Now, granted, was the offense great? No. A couple of those were probably sacks, and the way it works in practice is, you know, they just keep playing. They don't really blow the plays dead very often, and a couple of them would have been sacks, but that's not – Daniel, it wasn't Daniel. That's not Daniel Jones's fault when the, the pocket was breaking down and guys were getting pushed back in his lap. And so, grading him on that, I mean, he's looked pretty good lately, and which is a good sign because there was up and down days to start the preseason, you know, the training camp in the early summer. But the more he's gotten familiar with the offense, the more comfortable he looks and the better he looks. And I think that's what you wanted to see from him this summer. Jordan Renan covers the Giants for ESPN. He's joining us here on the Dan Grosser Show. Sterling Shepard, a couple of days off the pup list. You know, he's still working his way back. Yeah. Realistically, what's a timetable for him? You think Could he be ready to go week one? I think that is realistic for him. I really do. Uh, this isn't – I think it would be different. It's not like Sterling Shepard is Kadarius Tony, where you're – he's a young guy where you're like, okay, we need to make sure he's healthy before – he gets back on the field. Not not healthy, because I'm saying that they wouldn't put Sterling Shepard on the field if he wasn't healthy. But, hey, we need to keep a long-term view on this, right? Be like you would maybe like a younger player, uh, like Kayvon Thibodeau, right? It's a different situation. You don't rush Kayvon Thibodeau back. He's a rookie who they're hoping to have on their roster for many, many years. Sterling Shepard's an older guy. He's gone through a lot of injuries throughout his career. He's on a one-year deal right now. Uh, when he's ready to go, you, you put him out there, uh, you know, like if he's able to go. And, he looked pretty good. He didn't, at least yesterday, he didn't do a lot today because they weren't going to throw him into live drills against another team. So I think it is realistic. Like, it's going to be cutting it close, but to see Sterling Shepard out there week one, probably in a limited role, I think is entirely possible at this point. Is Kenny Galladay ready, you think, here in his second season with the team? 
ready to justify the commitment that this franchise paid to him in terms of that contract, or is it still going to be somebody that, you know, in a lot of cases might be an enigma? Yeah, there's nothing I've seen this summer would make me want to bet on Kenny Galladay living up to what that contract is. Uh, I would actually lean towards just probably more troubling signs out there. I mean, he's just, when I look at him, and I think almost everyone that comes by, and I'm talking, it was a couple national people today that were there, and I said, hey, tell me, watch Kenny Galladay run some routes and tell me what you think. And, like, the result is never overly positive. Uh, You know, so I think... The idea that he's a top receiver or true number one type receiver is probably unrealistic. Can you get something out of Kenny Galladay? Uh, maybe he gets a little healthier as we move along here. You remember he did sit out the spring, uh, put him in game action. Maybe that brings a little bit more out of him. But I think this is one that we're going to look back on and be like, he was a guy who was never super explosive in the first place. He basically suffered through two years of injury. He probably lost some of that explosiveness. So will he ever return to that type of player? I have my doubts. Maybe he could prove me wrong. Maybe he could prove everyone else wrong. But, uh, I mean, you just look at – David Stills caught six passes today in live drills. Kenny Galladay caught one. Mm. I mean, that, that's like – and that's not like, okay, this is one day. We're, we're just picking a one-day sample and, you know, picking on him. Like, this is pretty much every day. Like, there's, there's very few days where Kenny Galladay is catching multiple passes uh, during team drills. Speaking of wide receivers, how big of a blow was that Colin Johnson injury? I mean, he was having a nice little camp, was he not? Yeah, I mean, Brian Dibble went out of his way to bring him up today because that's how high the Giants were on him. You remember last year, actually, Colin Johnson played a decent amount. The the previous regime loved him as a blocker. So that's something that he brings to the table. And he was really coming along as a receiver. Uh, I mean, if I added it up, I'm pretty sure that Colin Johnson has caught more passes in training camp. Granted, it's training camp, and Kenny Galladay's a proven player, but I'm pretty sure he caught more passes in training camp than Kenny Galladay uh, in my period. So uh, it is a blow, but the reason it's a blow is because the Giants, you're like, oh, they have depth at wide receiver, right? But And I yeah. can sit here and then nitpick every single one of them. Kenny Galladay doesn't look like the same player. Kadarius Tony, when's he getting on the field? Like, he's never on the field. There's always something. Right now he looks like he's dealing with some kind of leg or hamstring injury. Sterling Shepard, history of injuries. Darian, uh, Darius Slagan, this new regime doesn't seem to be especially high on him. I mean, David Sills could actually end up being a guy who plays a significant role in week one. I honestly would not be surprised if it plays out that way now with Colin Johnson. Now, he's kind of the natural guy to, you know, come in to be that next guy in the pecking order. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of names there, but do the names live up to the hype? I guess we'll have to see, but there's, each one of them comes with question marks. Talking Giants with Jordan Renan here on 98.7 ESPN. Aziz Ojolari left at the end of practice a little gimpy. Is that anything that they're fearing might be something serious that could cost him some time, or did they dodge a bullet? Yeah, I don't know about, like, serious, but if, it's, if it seems like it's his calf, he basically needed help walking off the field today, which – Usually isn't a great sign, so I can't imagine, like, he can't walk off the field and all of a sudden he's going to be, like, running and jogging tomorrow. That's a, that's a hard thing for me to, to believe. Uh, now, I know it's, it's not believed to be super serious, but calf injuries are tricky, man. I mean, I once popped my calf, and I honestly did not feel right for about 
like almost like six months. Uh, I guess. And you're and you're a world class athlete. So I mean that that's that's pretty yeah, telling. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is way different. I was I at least was younger at the time. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but no, way different situation. But we see it all the time. Calf injuries are just something that never go away with guys super quick. So, and you would say, okay, not a not a huge big deal. If it takes a couple weeks for him to get back, that's fine. But we just I mentioned that earlier. That's the case with Kayvon Thibodeau as well. So now that's both your starting outside linebackers. Mm-hmm. They're not especially strong on the back end. You're trying to hide some deficiencies. It's not great to have your best pass rushers, you know, either compromised or not playing when you're trying to hide deficiencies on the back end. What does your gut tell you? What are you hearing about KT? Are we talking, is he ready for game one? Is it maybe going to be a couple of games? What, what, what does your gut tell you? Yeah, my gut tells me, this organization is very has been very realistic. This this new regime, I should say, mm-hmm. about where they are and what you know what they're doing here. Like this is, they won't call it a rebuilding year, but it's a rebuilding year. They'll call it like this is like an evaluation type year. You know, with, with tomato tomato, we're playing semantics, right, Dan? I mean, let's yep. be realistic. Yep. So, I mean, this is your prized rookie, the fifth overall pick. You do not. Like if the if the timeline was three to four weeks, and at that time it was uh, like I think it was twenty one day twenty days exactly, you know that uh, the regular season opener. So are you really if it's really tight on the deadline, like are you really gonna rush Kayvon Thibodeau back? Like you take the extra week or two if you need it. Like that just seems logical to me, right? I mean mm-hmm. it just doesn't make sense to say we need Kayvon Thibodeau for week one. You know, for the first game of his career, like if he plays 15 games and misses the first two weeks, that's fine, right? You'd rather have a, a much healthier Kayvon Thibodeau than a potentially semi-compromised Kayvon Thibodeau who maybe like, you know, you know, tweaks the knee again or whatever. Like you can't take that chance with him. So to me, the more likely scenario is you wait a couple, you're going to have to wait a couple weeks to see him during the regular season. Robert Sala said starters between a quarter and a half Sunday. What do you think the inclination is yeah. for Brian Dayball and the Giants? There's two sides. This We'll probably find out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But there's one side where you say Brian Dayball does like to play his guys. He's made that pretty clear. He thinks it's valuable for them, even if it's a series or two, right, to get his starters out there. On the flip side, they're so banged up. They have so many injuries. Now, not a lot of really serious injuries long-term, like, you know, out for the season. But, I mean, like, I just named half the wide receiving core. So, if Kadarius Tony's still banged up, Darius Slayton's still banged up, you know, Sterling Shepard's coming back. Like, and, you know, do you really want to throw Saquon Barkley out there? And then their offensive line is banged up. Like, what's the use of putting Daniel Jones out there if it's not really with his full offense? So That's a good point. I think there is a possibility where Brian Dibble wants to play the guys, but then elects not to play the guys just because the injuries – quantity-wise are just – there's so many minor little injuries that guys might keep guys out of a preseason game that it then says, well, why do we want to put the other guys out there? Because then you end up with the situation you had the other day, right? That's the dynamic when Kayvon Thibodeau is going against the guy who's trying to make the team. The guy who's trying to make the team has a way different mindset than a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau who's just getting ready for the regular season, right? And you have a guy who's going to do everything – possible to make the team against a guy who's just trying to tune up 
playing past the whistle, playing for his supper, essentially, and another guy's just trying to get ready for the season. You're right about it. And that's, hey, it's way more yeah, risk than it's, reward. It's, it's, it's tricky. It's way more risk I'm than reward in preseason. I look at preseason and training camp as like the most important thing is always how healthy are you when you get out of it? That's it, that, and that's what it should be. I mean, and these teams know who the roster is going to be with the exception of maybe the last four or five spots when camp opens. They, they, they really do. I mean, they, went, they built their entire offseason on this. They know the plan going in, but, you know, it, unfortunately, you got to deal with these games, and I don't know how much longer we're going to have this many. Only time will tell. Jordan, great stuff, my friend. Thanks for hopping on for a couple of minutes. Uh, I'll see you out there on Sunday, but thanks again for your time as always. All right, Dan, anytime, man. Look forward to it. All right, be good. There's Jordan Renan covers the Giants for ESPN. So there, I mean, there you go. And 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 he's spot on. He's spot on. You know, like I said, you, you risk putting a starter out there. And what happens if, like, you know, a, a, a second stringer is the one he's going up? Let's say you got a starting offensive lineman versus a, a, a second string or a guy who's on the bubble defensive lineman. The guy on the bubble is going to go all out 110%, you know, maybe even play past the whistle, maybe get a little chippy if he has to, just to kind of maybe pop out on film a little bit. Whereas the starter might be saying, hey, 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 you know, I'm just trying to get to the end of the game. I'm trying to get my reps so I can get ready for the regular season. And when you take your foot off the gas in pro football, that's when you get hurt. That's when injuries happen. Ask anybody who's played the game. Then you end up on the wrong side of things when it's all said and done. 800-919-3776. Some giant calls when we come back. Also, big injury in the NFL, which could impact the Giants. And the whole subject of training camp scrimmages and whether they're worth it or not. Well, you saw the ugly side of it earlier today involving a couple of teams that squared off against each other not too long ago. Talk about that coming up next. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. So Tyron Smith got hurt, right, from the Dallas Cowboys. We talked about that in passing a little bit earlier in the show. You know, they, they somebody put the video online, and... You know, it it looked bad, and you thought that it was going to be something knee-related. You know, when a guy just goes down, I don't even think he, anybody made contact with him. He just went down, and, and that was it, and immediately, like, writhing in pain. Tyron Smith, you know, in his prime, in his heyday, you know, was one of the best left tackles in all the National Football League. You know, it goes without saying. He was really, really, really good. 
But the guy's missed a lot of time the last couple of years. You know, but he tore the hamstring right off the bone. He had surgery. He's going to be out till December. That's a big loss for the Dallas Cowboys. And the Cowboys are a team that, you know, we know that they have talent. But they're the Cowboys, right? You don't trust the brain trust. You don't trust the coaching staff. You really don't trust the team as a whole that when they get to a big situation, that things are going to go the way that you want them to, i.e. the playoff game last year against San Francisco, right? Hey, let's dial up a quarterback sneak with no timeouts on the clock running. And we all know how that happened. So I can't put my faith in Dallas even before this injury. And that's good news for the Giants. I think Philadelphia has said many, many, many times, okay, Philadelphia is the team to beat in this division, not the Giants. It's Philadelphia. But you look at this team and you look at the Tyron Smith injury, you know, where do you go now if you're the Cowboys, right? Who are you plugging there at left tackle? Who, who, you, who is going to be protecting Dak Prescott's blindside? You know, your franchise player. They drafted a kid in the first round this year, Tyler Smith, but they've been playing him at guard. Do you maybe kick him back outside, even though he's been hampered a little bit by an ankle injury? You know, what do you do? Or do you try to get one of these gray beards who are on the sidelines for a reason? You know, Eric Fisher is still out there. Remember Eric Fisher? Former number one overall pick in the draft once upon a time. Crazy to think that. Jason Peters is still out there. You know, longtime Philadelphia Eagle, bounced around this and that, but, you know, he's like 40. And there's a reason these guys are not employed right now because they have an injury history and probably their best football is behind them. And Dwayne Brown was probably the most attractive option for all the available tackles, and that's why the Jets scooped him up when they did. And, you know, I said it earlier, imagine if Dwayne Brown had not signed with the Jets, would Jerry Jones have come calling and maybe given him a better offer than anything the Jets could have possibly thrown his way? Not that you ever want to see somebody get hurt, but in a way, it kind of worked out for the Jets that they were able to find somebody to replace Mekhi Becton in the manner in which they did. And then also, I don't know if you guys saw this, the, (laughs) I, I mean, we talked about the Jets and Giants, how that was, you know, civil, right? Rams and the Bengals had a joint practice today, and they scrimmaged. You could probably go online and see the video, but all hell broke loose. And the guy who found himself in the middle of it was none other than Aaron Donald. Okay? Aaron Donald, a.k.a. the Incredible Hulk, a.k.a. a guy that you don't want to be standing across from in a dark alley like that. The hell with a dark alley. How about it just across the line of scrimmage on the football field? His resume speaks for itself. So Aaron Donald was the guy who was in the middle of this thing throwing haymakers, and somehow, some way, he ended up with not one, but two Cincinnati Bengals helmets in his hand. Yeah, exactly. And he's sitting there swinging away with these things, a la Miles Garrett. And people immediately are rushing to judgment, like, whoa, 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 wait a sec. You know, Miles Garrett is watching this video, and he's probably saying to himself, well, hold on. I got suspended indefinitely. I got six games. He better get punished as well if he's doing this with the helmet. And oh, by the way, you've got video proof. But different circumstances for practice. The NFL cannot impart discipline on something that happens on the practice field. 
That's up to the teams. This isn't a game situation. You know, in the words of Allen Iverson, we're talking about practice. Now, it's not a good look. You don't want to see it happen. And, you know, somebody could have gotten seriously hurt, which is the most important thing more than anything else. But people were also making the point of why, oh, why, oh, why would you put these two teams on the field together at the same time? They played the last meaningful football game six months ago. You know, that animosity still exists. If you were on the winning side, if you were on the losing side, the emotions are still high. It is the pinnacle of your profession. Why would they schedule a scrimmage and have these guys out there where really nothing good can happen and nothing good can come from it? And today you had a situation which really could have cost one or both of these teams pretty significantly when you're talking about heading into the season. And thankfully, it wasn't anything much worse. But you're talking about Aaron Donald, who is one of the marquee players in the entire National Football League. And he's at the center of this where he could have maybe got hurt or got somebody else hurt pretty significantly. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Say hi to Goldie. He's up next from Jersey. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. Goldie, how you doing? I'm doing good, Dan. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, And I love your show and your commentary generally. But I think it's impossible to get everyone to play, to, to, to take plays off. But it is possible to get everyone to take every play on. So everyone's got to go full tilt and expect that you might get hurt. When you pussyfoot this stuff around, that's when injuries happen. So everyone needs to go full tilt. There's no excuse. 20 years ago... Everyone played full tilt. Now everyone's a prima donna and sitting every minute. It's ridiculous, in my opinion. I I hear what you're saying. Look, seriously, I hear what you're saying. But you as a fan, do you really care more about three little preseason games that mean nothing? Or do you want to see the best players in the sport healthy and out there for 17 meaningful regular season games? I would rather see them out there for sure. But I also don't want to conflate certain things. The Tyron Smith non-contact injury. Right, that, that, that was, was in a practice. Weak there to begin with. Right, but that yeah. was in a okay, practice. Okay, this happened. Yeah. Okay. But I, I think that you got, you got to go full tilt all the time. You, but you're right. I would rather see them in the regular season, but you, I, you can't quantify it that way in my eyes. You got to just go and then roll the dice a little bit. Like Seahorn, that changed the landscape of the Giants way back in the day when Jason Seahorn. Oh, yeah. Returning kicks. Remember that? I mean, it was a, a terrible day for, for the New York fans, the Giants fans. Um, but you guys just, that happens, unfortunately, you know? Yeah. I, Goldie, you're right. And I thank you for the phone call. Here's, here's the problem though. Number one, the things that have changed, like, you know, we have, a, we always get a good discussion during the, I'm sure we're going to bring it up again on Sunday. You know, when we're doing the pregame or the postgame with, uh, with Greg Buttle, when Greg played, you know, when he broke into the league in the seventies, they were playing six preseason games, six I mean, that's like blasphemy when you think about what they're doing nowadays. Can you imagine playing six preseason games? But things have changed so much. Number one, I mean, the salaries are just out of this world. The financial commitments that these teams have to these players, you know, you don't want to have one of your prized possessions go down in a heap in a meaningless game to where then 
he's not even going to be available for the entire season, which is essentially what you're paying him for. And I understand. You want to say injuries are like an act of God? You know, you can get hurt anytime, anywhere. Look, you can get hurt in practice. You can get hurt in a scrimmage. You can get hurt in the preseason. You get hurt in the regular season. But does it at least make your, you know, do you feel better when your head hits the pillow at night? If a guy on the team that you root for suffers a real bad injury, but it happened in a regular season game, can you just chalk it up to, well, at least it was in a real game? Maybe. You know, I hate to think that way, but maybe. Like, you don't want to have a guy go down in a preseason game and you never, like, you know, Jets dodged the bullet with Zach Wilson. What if that was a season-ending ACL injury like David Chow and all the other Twitter doctors essentially diagnosed five minutes after it happened? You'd be sick to your stomach saying you lost your starting quarterback a full season of development because of a stupid preseason game. Pretty soon, we're not going to be playing three preseason games. I don't even know if there's going to be a... If the NFL could find a way to make back the money that they generate from preseason games, and I'm talking about, you know, television revenue, some of these are national broadcasts, and so on and so forth, and you know they will find a way. They'll, they'll, they'll find something, you know, some sort of maybe, you know, they've already done the streaming. They'll find another way to market the game and to make some dollars. But the minute that happens, say goodbye to the preseason. And there's going to be another regular season game. You know, 17, it's going to be 18. 18's an even number. It works better. That is where we are headed. When we come back, we're going to be headed talking about the Yankees. We haven't forgot about them. I know they got a game tonight, but they still got an hour before they square off with the Oakland A's. But they got some bad news on the injury front. We'll talk about them being down another starting pitcher when we return. It's Dan Grasso with you right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Mets got a 3-0 lead on the Colorado Rocks in the bottom of the fifth inning out at City Field. A Peter Alonzo two-run homer uh, gave the Mets a 3-0 lead in the fifth. Lindor had a uh, RBI ground out to put the first run home. On support of one Jacob DeGrom, who got through the first four innings perfect, but then gave up a couple of hits in the fifth, but was able to pitch out of it. So DeGrom right now, five shutout innings, two hits, eight punch-outs, 68 pitches uh, is where we are right now for Mr. DeGrom. And the Mets have themselves a 3 nothing lead. Again, no Braves, no Braves tonight. They have an off night. They're going to be in a series in St. Louis coming up tomorrow against the Cardinals. So at least if the Mets can hang on here, they will get that lead back up to two games in the National League East, the lead, which, you know, I think this is probably going to be going down to the wire, as they say, with these two teams neck and neck here. It's probably what you expect. Um, Yankees, on the other hand, they're going to get underway in about an hour in Oakland uh, against the Athletics. Ten-game trip, four of them in Oakland, three in L.A. against the hapless Angels, and then three in Tampa 
against the Rays, who, oh, by the way, are just seven games back. You know, they've won six in a row, including one earlier this afternoon today against the lowly Halos. So Tampa's uh, hitting their stride at exactly the moment that you want to. I still think the Yankees are safe in the American League East. I I don't think that uh, they're in any danger of losing out on the top spot in the division, but got to see how they get through this. What they are in danger of are losing too many key guys on this team. Um, Most notably now, Nestor Cortez, who lands on the injured list with a groin injury. And, boy, you know, when I saw this, my first reaction was, boy, it's too bad that the Yankees don't have another left-handed pitcher in their starting rotation that they could fall back on while Nestor is out. That guy is, you know, looking like a Cy Young winner out in St. Louis for the Cardinals through his first four starts, talking about Jordan Montgomery, of course. Um, And, by the way, you know, another transaction that happened today, Harrison Bader, Mr. Uh, Walking Boot, who they got back for Jordan Montgomery, Yanks placed him on the 60-day I.L., don't freak out over that. That's a procedural move more than anything else. Harrison Bader went on the IL in June, okay? He's actually eligible to come off of the injured list, even the 60-day IL, like any day now. But they're just doing it just to create a roster space. That's the only reason they're doing it, because they're missing some guys, and that's why uh, all this is happening here. So nothing to sweat about Bader. Still going to get back whenever the original timetable was, probably in September, to help the Yankees in center field, certainly, um, and maybe even contributing in the lineup. But he is a glove-first guy when you're talking about Bader. But the thing that you don't like about Nestor going on the injury list is that the timing is bad in the sense that, you know, you still have Severino who's gone for a few more weeks. He can't come back till the middle of September. You know, so he's still got a little ways away. And now you look at this rotation – and you look at what Aaron Boone has in front of him. You know, Nestor was going to pitch on Saturday. And now you've got Tyone tonight. You got Cole tomorrow. Herman is going to pitch on Saturday. And it looks like it's going to be Clark Schmidt on Sunday. Um, got stretched out to 60 pitches on Tuesday in that game against the Mets. So he's like at least a little bit ahead of the curve. And, I mean, he don't, you don't have to empty the tank with him. And it is the Oakland A's. And it's a team that you still should be able to handle. I mean, they're an awful baseball team. They're probably – push comes to shove. I mean, you can make the case either them or the Nationals, you know, the worst team in baseball. I'll say the Oakland A's are the worst team in the American League, you know, just like we talked about with the Mets and the Colorado Rockies this weekend. Yankees should settle for nothing less than three out of four against the Oakland A's. Have to. But Nestor's a guy, too, that, you know, the workload that he's given you this year, 131 innings which is by far the most that he's thrown. And remember, Nestor was a guy that never threw 100 innings in the major leagues in a single season, ever. Last year, he hit 93. So he's already shot by shot past that by almost 40 innings. And so the Yankees were probably maybe going to like take the foot off the gas at some point between now and the end of the season, just making sure that the arm is fresh and you know ready to go by the time October rolls around, because, you know, I know Garrett Cole makes the most money, and I know that Garrett Cole is the ace. But I'll ask you right now as a Yankee fan, like, do do you really have hope? And do you really have as much faith as you should in Garrett Cole being that guy for you? I don't. You know, I I think he'll give you a good performance, but I don't think he's going to go out there and completely dominate and give the bullpen a night off. I don't know if that guy is there right now. And with Severino, who's only going to be a couple of weeks back from 
a lengthy stint on the injured list. You don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in or how long he's going to be able to pitch into these games. Nestor Cortez might be the guy. And, and look, not in a million years did I ever think I'd be sitting here talking about it. Nestor Cortez could be the guy that you get the most faith in. And when did you think that was possible? Right? The dude with the mustache who never really had much of a track record. He was a, a, a journeyman more than anything else. This is the guy that you sleep good at night if you're a Yankee fan, knowing that he's going to get the baseball? But that is reality now. Like, that's where we're at. So I need to make sure he's healthy. And I need to make sure that he is as close to 100%. And if this groin thing is going to pop up now, then you know what? So be it. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Better on August 25th than September 25th. So they call the kid Greg Weissert up from AAA out of the bullpen. Fordham product. Okay? You know, ripping it up down there in AAA. And I think it comes at an interesting time because you got Efros down. Abreu's on the shelf. Clay Holmes is still down with the back issue. So Yankees need an arm in that pen. And I don't know how much they're going to put on this kid's plate. But they don't trust Chapman. Would it be the worst thing and the craziest suggestion in the world that if this kid comes up and, you know, throws the ball really, really well, then maybe, just maybe, Aaron Boone is going to throw this guy into some higher leverage situations? Maybe even be asked to get the final three outs of a game? Crazier things have happened. Scott Efros wasn't supposed to be a closer for him, but he's already been asked to do that job. But Stanton is back tonight in the lineup. They're going to give DJ a night off, which, you know, remember, he was fighting it with that toe. So I don't think that's the end of the world. You know, it's the Oakland A's. You should be able to beat them without DJ LeMahieu. But Stanton will be in there tonight, DHing, batting third. Ben Intendi, Judge Stanton, Rizzo Torres, Donaldson, Cabrera in right field, Trevino, IKF, and Jamison Tyone on the mound. And how about Ben Intendi? You know, batting over 300 in the last dozen games or so. Five RBIs in the last three, all contributing to Yankee victories. That's what you want to see. All of a sudden, in a matter of a few, isn't it, isn't it amazing what winning does, right? Because all in a matter of a couple of days, Brian Cashman's trade deadline performance, you start to feel a little bit better about, right? You start to feel better about the situation. We'll come back and we'll hear a little bit from the Yankee skipper when he was on with the guys this afternoon on the K Show. We'll also take your phone calls as well. Dan Grasso Show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Jose in Newark up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Jose, how we doing? I'm good, man. How are you tonight, man? Like Jose, always a pleasure. outstanding. Talk to me. What's going on? First off, whoever plays your intro music, man, hats off, man. He just had me rocking a Bismarck. Y'all never drop a hat when y'all come back. The music is always on point. There you go. But, um, I mean, we, you know, we, we got that part figured out. Yeah, love it. But um, early, early in the season, I called you one time, and I told you I was a Yankee fan. And I don't expect you to remember. Mm-hmm. But I called you. I told you I was a Yankee fan. But I gave the Mets a hairline of a chance of getting it, getting to the World Series and running it over the Yankees. For no other reason than they had the Grom and, and Matt Scherzer. 
And it's the envy. It's my envy as a Yankee fan. We have an ace who's not always an ace and a bunch of question marks in a rotation. And we traded a guy who's just like, for now, just killing it with St. Louis. Um, I, I really, really think that they're the envy of the league. And if, if you put them against anyone except the Dodgers, you got to say that the Mets, based on those two horses at the top of the rotation, they have the best chance of winning. They they feel like Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson back in two. But why even? But but Jose, I don't disagree with you. But why are the Dodgers so unbeatable? I know that their record is 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 unbelievable now. But in a playoff series, their starting pitching to me just is not really going to scare me all too much. Not unbeatable. Not unbeatable at all. I you know Mets have a great chance against them. I just give a, I, I give some. I always give some shine to the past champion who knows how to get it done and a manager that knows how to get it done. I, I got I give, you. But remember, not not having Walker Bueller is big. Um, you know, Clayton Kershaw, you can't count on him as much anymore, given where he is in his career. Their two best starting pitchers this year have no postseason track record whatsoever in Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson. None. But then you just reinforce my – I was being diplomatic. You just, re- you just reinforced there you go. my point. At the end of the day, man, will anyone feel bad regardless of what's happening in your lineup and what's happening in your bullpen? Does anyone feel bad about having a a, a Jacob DeGrom and a Max Scherzer going into any series against anyone? It's just the Mets just really hit a home run when they brought that man in. The only thing you worry about is can DeGrom stay healthy? You got to make sure that you keep him there. But at the end of the day, come October, the Mets just look pretty tough to beat. And, you know, as a Yankee fan, it pains me. But, um, again, man, you know, you go in there with just Gary Cole and a couple of maybes, and, and you just don't feel great about things. I'll root for my team. But if you're a Mets fan, man, I mean, you know, you should feel good. It's a, it's a good thing to have. Jose, anything can happen, though. And I thank you for the phone call, as always. But, you're, you know, you're right. Look, you know, that, that, that's why the Mets put this plan into place. That's why they gave Scherzer $43 million. Because they wanted to piggyback him with DeGrom if he could stay healthy. And that would be a nightmare for any opposing team in a short series. Now, look, the Mets are going to get there. Preferably, you want to get there as the division champion. You don't want to have to go the wild card route because that could compromise you as soon as the division series. If you have to pitch DeGrom, Scherzer, and you know Bassett potentially in the first round, then you're not going to have those guys to start the second round which means you can't pitch them as much in that series. And then it's like that carryover effect, on and on and on. That's why this division race is so important. You know, the Yankees are at least in a little bit better shape having a seven-game lead. You know, and they'll be able to get that first-round by. Both of these teams, right, they should get first-round buys. And then all bets are off from whatever happens from there. All right, 800-919-3776 is the telephone number. We come back to start hour number three. We'll hear from Aaron Boone. And also an update on something we mentioned last night, which the worst case has indeed come true. It's Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>